Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich, and my hat has a cow. And I'm film scholar and the one who's stinky, Noelle LaCroix. <laughs> and we're here today to talk about As You Were, the 15th episode of season six. As You Were aired on February 26th, 2002, and was written and directed by Douglas Petrie. Still Pretty is a fully spoiled, full-spectrum Buffy podcast, so if you haven't seen all of the show, go take care of that and we'll start to have dreams of gardenia bouquets. You're awfully chipper tonight. So let's go on patrol. In As You Were, Buffy's working another dead-end shift with a white dude who clearly doesn't know what glass ceiling means lecturing her on the glass ceiling. On her way home, she gets attacked by a vampire who rejects her because she smells like Double Meat Palace. At home, she gets stopped by Spike, who's been waiting outside her house, and he talks her into having sex on the lawn. When she finally goes inside, Dawn rejects the food she brought home. I can't eat this stuff another night. Dawn and Willow invite Buffy out to the bronze, but Buffy decides to stay home. At the bronze, Xander and Anya stress out about their upcoming nuptials, and Willow talks hopefully about her relationship with Tara. At home, Buffy tries and fails to get the grass stains out of her awesome yellow coat. She misses the garbage truck and gets rejected for readmission to UC Sunnydale because her readmission form was late. She has a pile of dishes to do, and then she goes back to work, and this fucking thing happens. Riley. Sorry to just drop in on you like this, Buffy. It's you. That's me. Riley's back, all dressed in black with a scar over his eye like that's supposed to mean he's cool and not a douchebag. He tells her something's up and he needs her help. She quits her job immediately and goes off with him and his tech starts beeping because there's a demon nearby and they fight it and it gets away. They drive off after it in what I guess is supposed to be Riley's super cool car and they catch up. You've got some uh, big stories to tell you too. Yet have a second. Did you die? No. I'm gonna win. Riley gives Buffy a military outfit that he just happens to have in his car, in her size, but whatever. He brings her to a reservoir and they share a rappel line, which is exactly as sexy as it seems, which isn't very. But there's music hinting that this is supposed to be very romantic slash sexy, so okay, TV show. They get attacked by the demon, kick it twice, and it falls down and apparently experiences tonic immobility, giving Buffy and Riley a moment to stare deeply into each other's eyes as the romantic music heightens and they're totally about to kiss. But then a woman rappels down next to them and says, What exactly are you doing with my husband? Riley introduces Buffy to his wife, Sam, and then the demon recovers from playing dead and attacks and they both let Sam just, you know, Handle it by herself while they chat about how Riley's fucking married. Riley jumps into the fight and then Buffy kills it, except they weren't supposed to kill it, which, you know, Riley could have told her that. <laughs> also, now the wife, who was jealous and territorial a few seconds ago, is totally on Buffy's side and is very cool in giving Riley shit about not telling the Slayer what was going on. And it appears that we can rappel into a water reservoir, but we cannot maintain a single line of conflict for more than a few seconds, but... Okay, TV show. Sam asks if Buffy has a safe house and Buffy brings them home where Dawn gives Riley a much-deserved stink eye while everyone else gives him a welcome home old chap slap on the shoulder. Willow performs the rite of shooting hate at the woman who just saved her best friend's life while smiling at the man who misled, flirted with, and almost kissed said best friend without telling her he was married, but... Okay, TV show. Just so you know, I'm prepared to hate this woman any way you want. Riley and Sam explain that the demon laid a bunch of eggs and they have to find them before they get sold on the black market. There's a dealer in town known only as the doctor. Sam says something to upset Willow, but then goes in to talk to Willow and is super humble and Willow smiles. And then Sam and Buffy go on patrol and Sam's super humble and not an actual character. And Buffy finally gets tired of how awful the writing is and goes off to see Spike. She asks for information and they end up having sex. And then Riley walks in because, of course he does. He says Spike's the doctor, but Buffy doesn't believe it. It, it can't be, okay? He, he's too incompetent. Buffy goes down into Spike's crypt with Riley and finds all the eggs. Spike tries to explain, but Buffy won't hear it. So he starts blaming her for being mad when she's always known what he is. And he's got a point. But the eggs start hatching, so Spike runs off while Buffy and Riley blow up his crypt with a grenade. As, you know, you do. 
Outside the magic box, Buffy and Riley say goodbye before he jets off to Nepal or whatever. Who cares? He tells her he has authorization to kill Spike and asks if that's okay with her. She says no. Spike's protected by delight armor. There's no way through that shit. You can stake him, throw him in the sunlight, light him on fire all at once, but the writers will not allow it. Riley tells Buffy how amazing she is and shows her compassion, all stuff which might be nice if he wasn't made of cardboard. Sam comes out and everyone loves her, and instead of getting in Riley's sexy SUV and driving away like, you know, people, a helicopter drops a line and lifts them out. What a bitch. Back at Spike's freshly charred crypt, he surveys the damage when Buffy shows up to break up with him. I can't love you. I'm just being weak and selfish. Really not complaining here. And it's killing me. I have to be strong about this. I'm sorry, William. Buffy leaves Spike in his crypt, goes out into the sunlight, and walks away with determination and purpose. Okay, TV show. Okay. All right, so, Noelle, here we are in As You Were, an episode which I famously hate. <laughs> um, so <laughs> let's find out what you thought about oh, it. Oh, boy. Oh, Riley, you big <laughs> toasted mayonnaise sandwich on Wonder Bread, you. <laughs> God. You know what's funny is, I, I'm sorry, but behind the scenes, we had a little text messaging thing back and forth where I was like, yeah, but toast kind of gives things flavor. And then you had a perfect response to that. Could you share that with me? Uh, what was my response? I actually don't remember. Oh, my God. It was so great. You're like, yeah, but he's got that scar over his eye. So that gives him a little flavor. Right. Yeah. He's like <laughs> a little toasty, edgy right? with a scar now. OK, cool. Sure. Right. The scar, the scar is the toastedness, right? The scar is where the toast I mean, comes from but everything else yeah. is just cold mayonnaise sandwich cold mayonnaise. Yes. I'm, mm -hmm. you know i'm kind of fine with riley i famously <laughs> am a little bit of a riley defender of whatever right and maybe mm -hmm. it's just because mark blucas is big and cute and pretty whatever yeah he has um, all of those things but mm -hmm. the thing the thing about this episode for me is that i get done with the episode before the episode is over <laughs> I get done before it started. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like I'm like done before it's over. I don't I don't hate it. I just don't love yeah. it. Like it feels yeah. it feels like it's too long and I don't know. Yeah. Um mm -hmm. and there's some stuff I like. You know, I really like the dawn that we get. I absolutely mm -hmm. loathe the willow. <laughs> Oh, whose yeah. whole attitude to me just whiffs of a queer woman written by a straight dude. Um, yeah. But the whole, th the whole episode overall for me just kind of shakes down to meh. Yeah, it does. It's just like, okay, I hate this episode. Like, this is the episode in the entire run of Buffy that I absolutely hate the most. Not because it's necessarily, like, the worst episode. Like, I think Go Fish is probably the worst episode. But because the writing in this, the character work, is so phenomenally bad, you know? Mm -hmm. And that drives me crazy. Now, I get the value of the, like, tear a character down so you can build them back up kind of narrative and I've written those kind of narratives and I actually quite like them but nothing of which Buffy is supposed to be ashamed her job her enjoying sex with Spike dropping out of school to support her sister is actually shameful so I've already had the irritation of that this entire season um, and then we bring back Riley as though he's the one who got away mm -hmm. and the way she fawns over him is the most degrading thing that is way more degrading than sleeping with spike you know <gasps> yeah um yeah and aside from that riley and sam are the worst examples or maybe the best examples of cardboard characters of terrible freaking writing um and of all the things that would break up spike and buffy like this cartoonish evil is the thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, God, it's just, it's so, so bad. It drives me crazy. We have a cardboard character as a caricature of himself. And when you duplicate cardboard and character writing, it's just white noise. It makes me crazy. I hate the whole thing. <laughs> right. Almost, almost. There's some of it. There is some of it, of course, that I like. And you know it's going to be about Spike. Yeah. That's fine. Um, so anyway... 
Uh, all of that said, my vitriol will last. That, that sounds like a lot of vitriol. Like maybe I spent it all. No, I did not. It'll last for the whole episode of this uh, of this podcast. Um, all right. So, uh, so give me some of your thoughts on uh, on what we're doing here and as you were <laughs> on what we're doing here. Um, my yeah. my, you mean my section heading this week in men because this week in men, I mean, baby. <laughs> you know my favorite subject and my area of expertise. Um, <laughs> right. But. Really, it's just like the whole this whole episode feels like a series of not bad men necessarily, but like bad interactions with men. I mean, we literally open with this douche nozzle fellow employee who is 100 (laughs) percent that guy. Oh, like we have all worked with that guy or Mm -hmm. gone to school with that guy. Like everybody knows that guy. Um. And, you know, I despise him, uh, obviously. (laughs) Well, of course. But I love him as kind of a coda to the episode Double Meat Palace Mm -hmm. um, because he's not scary because he's poor or maybe neurodivergent or Mm -hmm. any of the other harmful nonsense we saw in Double Meat Palace about what makes people, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, dangerous. He's scary because he's so completely pompous, smug, self-satisfied and overly chipper. Sorry, Lonnie. (laughs) <laughs> especially about fucking machiavelli like calm I, down yeah. bro yeah like and why are we giving this guy so much da- so much dialogue so much real estate in this episode he's in two scenes well do we his whole thing is about how he talks right you know calling mm-hmm. it the palace you know uh, yeah and mm-hmm. then his whole thing you know his little oh i keep forgetting you dropped out of college it's like oh come on oh my come God. on um, and he's supposed to be. I mean, like, textually, we're supposed to hate yeah. that guy. And so, like, you know, okay, I guess. But at the same time, I mean, you know, who cares? Yeah. You know? And I don't know. Maybe this is an attempt at, like, these are the options for Buffy, right? Because, like, zooming forward through my whole This Week in Men thing is mm-hmm. we finally get to Riley And Riley being the quote unquote one who got away is supposed to be what motivates Buffy to make a quote unquote good decision for herself and break up with Spike. Mm -hmm. But it it just doesn't. It's so flimsy. It's so, Mm -hmm. so flimsy. But I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe this guy is supposed to be like, well, this is the guy. Like, it's this guy or it's Spike. I don't think that Mm -hmm. it's that thought out necessarily but it seems significant that we start with this self-satisfied you know double meat palace dude and then we have this self-satisfied vampire dude who refuses to Mm -hmm. bite Buffy because she's the one who's stinky right Right. you know and then add injury to insult I guess after the credits roll we have Spike (laughs) spiking around outside the Summers house doing Mm -hmm. his like poor pitiful me routine and he's extra on with his little <laughs> petulant, you know, why not kind of uh, uh, like, why can't I have sex? Uh, yeah, why can't I? I can't yeah. come inside, so you should come outside. Mm. Which, okay, clever wordplay, fine. I'll right. Give, I'll yeah. give you, yeah. you can have that one, Douglas, but I'm not letting you <laughs> off the hook for some of this writing. Like, it's just, I don't know. And this is shocking to me because Doug Petrie is seriously one of my favorite television writers. Ever. Well, he has written some of my favorite episodes in the series. I am shocked at all of this. Well, that, I mean, and that's another thing about this episode that we can, you know, get into, which is it mm-hmm. is very written. Like all of the dialogue. Yes. Yeah. All of the dialogue has this kind of punchy back and forth witty repartee. Like we're supposed to know that Buffy and Riley are, you know, M-F-E-O because they can <laughs> they have this weird exchange at Double Meat Palace that's very uh-huh. like it's a little bit Nor Ephron, you know, like he's been up it for is, 48 hours yeah. straight tracking something. And Buffy's reply is my hat has a cow like it's, you know, like it's great. Like it's great yeah. back and forth, but it doesn't fit with it doesn't fit them. I don't know. And Riley is not Riley. Like this is a. Uh, some kind of like okay you know 
back in the day when you used to have photocopies, yes. right? And if you did a photocopy mm-hmm. of a photocopy, it would be blurry. And then if you did a photocopy of that, it would be blurry. It's called generational loss. Like we have like 15 levels of generational loss on Riley here to the point where it's really not Riley. It's it's like they got a cardboard stand up of Mark Lucas and there's somebody just moving it around the set, you know, like, oh, no, it's, just, it's <laughs> so, so wrong. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly the way that it is. And Riley, you know, I mean, let's let's not forget that Riley was a bit cardboard to begin with. Well, so by the time you've got all of that, it's just it's so weird. Well, and it is weird to me, especially that they're we've got this Riley and Buffy working together Mm -hmm. and fighting together thing and they're you know they do have this really punchy back and forth and she is just smitten like he is suddenly he's back and he's so cool and I don't know if it's the all black or the eye scar or whatever (laughs) there's something going on because she is completely like back in it in a way with him mm-hmm. that she never was when they were together like I yeah. feel like I mean and you can talk you can probably speak to this better than I can but they're doing this like perfect match thing with them mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. so in sync and they're so it's so hot when they have to rappel down the side of the dam together on one T- cable rope what <laughs> right. you know it's like right because they can afford to have a helicopter come out and repel him out rather than make him drive to wherever the airport is but they cannot afford two repel lines it's so odd to me right? they're playing i don't know it. if that's what they're called repel yeah lines, whatever whatever they're called like that, right? but see it doesn't whatever. even matter like it doesn't matter oh, because what it is is it's all this set dressing of like riley's mm-hmm. so cool and so hot and buffy and riley are so perfect matchy and so right for each other and i'm like like, no, they were not a perfect match when they were together. Yeah, were it's they? gaslighting. Am I misremembering? No. I feel <laughs> it's an, it's narrative gaslighting. It is this thing where the text really super wants you to believe something that is patently untrue. Right. And so we have all this stuff like we have the music and we have the way the shot is and we have her jumping up on him, by the way, in a shot that looks very, very similar to when she and Spike were were fucking the house down. Right. Yep. She's up. She's a little bit higher than him. She's wrapped around him. Yeah. You know, like it is exactly a match shot to when uh, Spike and Buffy were fucking the house down. I don't think that that was a mistake, but I also feel like it's a mistake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's just, it was not the way to do this. And they've got all this music playing and the two of them looking deeply into each other's eyes. And we're clearly saying that this is the way that this is. When, when even if you hadn't seen the rest of, I would argue that if you show this episode to somebody who has not seen any Buffy, they would still be like, what? Like, we're being forced this sense of connection and chemistry between these two when there is none. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's manufactured chemistry. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's yes. like, I, I still, I feel like, you know, it is. It's narrative gaslighting. I feel like they're trying to retcon, like, oh, he really was her perfect match all along. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Which, I mean, brings us to the idea of the one that got away, right? The, yeah. This mm-hmm. whole concept of the one that got away. I mean, first of all, I think it's such a weird, it, it's a weird idea yeah. just in isolation. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But what I find, what I find actually genuinely interesting about this episode is that the one that got away or the one who's out of your league as mm-hmm. being kind of a motivating force for a protagonist feels like a thing that we usually see spun a little bit differently. Like, Uh I'm very used to the idea of the man who's motivated by the woman who shows him what life could be like, you know, in this, like, if you open up and, like, embrace who you really are, your life is going to be fabulous. And usually that's Mm -hmm. a woman motivating a man in some way right Mm -hmm. and this feels like a little bit of a reversal or maybe a remix Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. because it is ostensibly riley and sam being a perfect match who are so perfect for each other (laughs) that prompts buffy (laughs) to quote unquote break up with spike right so i mean I'm intrigued in that sense by this, like, 
Riley shows up and shows Buffy a vision of a different life for herself because it does feel just a little bit trope subverting. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like shrug, right? Because Buffy, (laughs) I don't know what, you know, it's like not, it's just Uh not, it's just, there's not a lot of there there. You know, like Buffy tells Sam she doesn't want to be defined by who she's with, but she kind of does. Mm-hmm. Because what makes Riley okay is that he's with Sam. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, and that whole thing is so confusing too. And that, and this is supposed to be motivating for Buffy somehow. Um, you know, Sam says the only thing that could help Riley was time, lots of time. But they've mm-hmm. been married for four months, and yeah. Riley's only been gone for a year, according to Dawn. Unless I misunderstood the timeline there, so I'm like, Wait. no, it was a. About, yeah, it was about mid season five that he took off um, and into the woods, yeah. you know, and it's been it's been lovely having no Riley, you know, for that time. But yeah, yeah, they've been married for four months and he's been gone for 12. Yeah. Right. That leaves eight months for him to go wherever he was going. Meet oh Sam. Yeah. Get over Buffy. Fall in love with Sam, propose, have a wedding. Because let's not forget, later on, we have all this talk about the wedding, which apparently took no time to plan, but Sam was perfectly able to do it with these disposable cameras, and here's what you do, and this is how you plan a wedding, and yada, yada, yada. Like these <laughs> you two your a helicopter hop- from a gorilla squad. You right. know, it's fine, like you do. I, as you do. Normal right, wedding exactly. stuff. Totally. So the whole thing, the whole, the timeline is ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous that two cardboard people would get together and then have lovely cardboard babies. You know, fine, I guess. But it's just, it's awful. And the thing is, is that like, I don't even know. I, I, I love like how generous your read is on this whole one who got away that maybe there's something interesting that they're doing with that. Like, I think that I I love that you, you found something there that kind of like tries to hold it together. Well, Mostly because it's a big question mark for me. I'm like, well, what exactly are they trying to do here? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't don't get it. I don't quite get it. Um, Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, like the initiative, as we knew, like from season four, which was a while ago, in which we've had plenty of time for everybody who worked on Buffy to sit down and have a nice, good cry and a postmortem <laughs> about what went wrong in season four, right? The initiative yeah. did not work in the Buffy world for a number of reasons. So I know, let's bring Riley back for an episode, an initiative even harder. Like, right. also, what is up with Riley's outfit? He's complaining about her in the orange pylon and he's wearing that. Oh, yeah. You blend. What is that? You know, <laughs> uh, and the off brand Mission Impossible music under his explanation of the demon. I mean, whatever. Like the whole thing is ridiculous. Not to mention that the lines of conflict in this thing are so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Buffy has this job that she hates, but what she needs in order to take care of her sister. And she does that while slaying, right? So she has been struggling with this job, which she does not love. A job which almost killed her with a giant penis demon, right? right. There are a million reasons for her to quit Double Meat Palace, but the thing that actually inspires her to throw down her cow hat and split is Riley Finn comes to town and she quits just because cute guy like oh cute guy came in so now all my bills have disappeared and my responsibility to my sister and keeping our house is just gone right right? because that's exactly how it works in real life right like you you know you meet someone and then all of your financial problems go away (laughs) like it's like that's the inspiration like forget the inspiration to break up with Spike we're going to talk about that in a minute but the inspiration to quit her job that she has hated and which has been uh, like but she need she needs that money so like what is that about i don't understand any of that then we get to this riley's clearly about to kiss buffy like they've had this whole thing and he's like no i'm a gentleman i'm not gonna look at you while you change into this outfit which is absolutely your size and i have just happened to sit right, in the back right. of my car right not you know? creepy at um, all finn not creepy it's fine exactly no it's so freaking weird um you know so we have him he's clearly about to kiss Buffy you know and then he's married oh no and she drops in and she's all jealous what are you doing with my husband 
And then all of a sudden we have a commercial break and swap the jealous wife out with this other girl who's completely cool and like so self-deprecating and all this kind oh of stuff. Oh my you know? God. Um, Don't and get then me Willow... started on the hot girl who's like, oh, but I'm so bad at everything. Oh, trope. but I don't, don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I swear to God, during the whole thing, it felt so overdone that it was like oh look at me i'm just a girl who's really gonna like fuck your shit up right deep underneath it but she's playing that dimpled i'm just a girl bullshit which everybody is falling for so textually we're being gaslighted again that this is actually genuinely who she is then she has this you know she says something to willow about you know you were a hardcore wicca and the willow's like well no i was addicted yeah and willow walks off like in a weird kind of snit. This woman didn't know. She didn't know. How was she supposed to know right. that? She didn't know that. But I'm going to hate her because let's hate the woman rather than Riley, who had all of that time to say they were driving in the car for quite a while. He could have been like, yeah, well, I got married. You know, uh, that could have been fine. Amy and Buffy were able to. So how you been? Rat. You dead. OK, totally. That takes two seconds yeah. to do that kind of a catch up. Right. And then he couldn't say that he was then staring longingly into her eyes while the music plays in the background. Like he had plenty of time to tell her he was married and chose not to. So I have to presume, you know, asshole. Um, But Willow decides to hate the woman. Right. Because misogyny. Yeah. Which is, that's one of those things for me in this episode that's like funny for a split second. You know, Willow saying, I am prepared to hate this woman in any way you want. And Buffy's like, Mm -hmm. no, it's fine. It's really fine. And Willow's like, no, it's not. Let me be the friend. Like, it's cute for a split second. And then it's like, hold up. (laughs) Wait a minute. Yeah. What's with the, like, why the girl on girl hate? Um, other because, than this is just what we do, right? Because exactly because we're we're playing in tropes that we don't even care about. It's automated writing. Mm. You know, it feels like if you gave this to a, a computer algorithm, they could have pumped this out. You know, that doesn't understand like I don't know how humans work, um, and also especially like how Willow works because yeah. that's not a Willow thing. Like so, that whole thing was weird. Then Willow goes off and she's all petulant in the kitchen, just sitting and brooding by herself. And then Sam comes in and says, I don't know, I'm just a girl. And Willow's like, oh, you're so sweet. And then smiles. And then suddenly we're supposed to like Sam and think that Willow's fine with it or whatever. But the thing about Sam is that she's a reflector character. Like she exists Mm. just to reflect light on the other characters that are there. But she's also made of cardboard. So she's like a cardboard reflector that's been sprayed with silver paint and does not reflect much or well. But that's just really all that they do. Um, And Riley is also like more cardboard than he ever was. And that's a low fucking bar that's made out of cardboard. Like, it's so I just, weird. I just love that nothing about Riley has ever worked for you ever. Like, it's just so delightful to me that you're just like, In the nope. beginning of season four, I didn't mind him in the beginning of season four. But, yeah, I don't know. When he's just, the, just, when he's just your hot TA who you kind of want to, When he's just you know. a doofus floppy haired douchebag like it's it's there's something like when they try to give Riley the like a conflict or a story of his own what they do with him is so stupid and he's always like I'm so in love with you that it's your fault that I'm an asshole like that kind of stuff is like that's not romantic it's not romantic to be like I'm so in love with you that you make me act like a dick yeah you know yeah Um, no you gotta get you gotta kind of get over that so there's a lot of things and anybody who wants to know what those things are could just listen to the last, I don't know, 45 episodes is still pretty right. and get a full <laughs> list of all the reasons why I hate Riley. Um, but the whole thing here, I just don't understand what they're doing. Buffy's having great sex with Spike, who's a vampire, and she knows who he is and what he does. And he's never hidden that from her. Let's not forget Double Meat Palace, where he says, I can get money. She knows exactly yeah. what he's talking about, about how he gets his money. She's been looking the other way on all of this stuff for a long time. Okay, so all of that stuff. But Riley's the thing that makes her really realize that this is not good enough for her like Riley it's so you know? odd it's so right. odd I mean I said it already but I'm gonna say it again it's mm-hmm. like we bring in Riley as this like pre-charged symbol mm-hmm. of like what could have been Buffy's perfect life 
But when we look back on Buffy and Riley, like that wasn't a perfect relationship in any way. Like it was barely a relationship. So now here he is as this like, you know, oh, you you could have had this guy and instead Uh you're stuck working at Double Meat Palace and having sex with Spike. And it's like, hold on. Wait a minute. Like, And and you know what? Fair trade. Yeah. It's like, did you did uh, you know what it is? I feel like they moved the emotional goalposts on me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is how it feels. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, yeah. because I don't, I think, I think, mm-hmm. I'm parsing this out right now as we're talking. I think <laughs> I don't <laughs> mind the idea on its own of like, mm-hmm. you know, Buffy has this life that she is not happy with or she's settling for or whatever. You know, she has a slayer job and then she has a money job and she's got this sister to support and bills to pay and you know oh I don't know maybe she would like to have some emotional fulfillment of her own but like that is out of reach and then Mm -hmm. this person returns to her life who's like hey actually your life can be another way Mm -hmm. like I think that that story is a good story I think that could be really satisfying but it's Mm -hmm. done with Riley as this like preloaded symbol of a perfect life for Buffy when he never was that and was never going to be that she wasn't happy with Riley so yeah it's a little bit of like I I feel like the the emotional goalposts have moved and I'm supposed to look at this and go oh Riley is this this you know, beacon of like inspiration and hope because he has uh-huh. gone on to find, you know, to he's like, I love my job and I love my wife. And I don't know what this is my man voice. Apparently, I love my job. Right. And I love my wife. <laughs> and like that's supposed to inspire Buffy to be like, wait a second. I don't love my job and I don't love the person I'm fucking. And maybe I should make a mm-hmm. change. But it's not. I don't know. It's just not there. (laughs) Right. But you know what? As you were talking, though, I just got something Mm. that should have been done, was not done in the narrative, but would have made so much more sense is when we get to Buffy at the end with Spike, Mm -hmm. where she says, I'm using you and it's killing me. Right. Yeah. Like she was using Riley, too. She was using Riley as an access point to normal. She did not love Riley. She was not into Riley. You know, um, she never said, I love I love you, Riley. She never said, you know, like she never talked to him about anything that was bothering her. She talked to Spike more than she she confides in Spike and always has more than she ever confided in Riley. Um, She was using Riley and that was bad for her. And so we definitely this is not what is in the text here, but would have made it so much better because the only good thing in this episode is that ending with Buffy and Spike, you know, Um yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's kind of it drives me crazy that the, the writing is so bad, especially because the writing is coming from Doug Petrie, who is an amazing writer. So I don't know what happened, although we all have bad days like it, it happens like we all have, you know, everybody everybody has days in which they're they're not quite as on as they would like to be. That happens. It's fine. Um, but I'm just surprised because he's an amazing writer. Um, but I do actually like within this episode really do like the the Buffy Spike stuff mm. um, to a certain degree. Like I like when she says, tell me you love me yeah. tell me you want me right like that's enough like the fact that he loves her is enough she's trying to hold on to something that she knows isn't working i like i'm gonna head canon now that she knew she was using riley and that's what riley illuminates for her mm-hmm. um during this episode though that is absolutely not what the text wants us to take no, away but that I makes much so. <laughs> more sense to me um but the thing that drives me crazy though even within the buffy and, and spike stuff is the fact that buffy heard this story about some idiot calling himself the doctor and selling dangerous demon eggs and didn't immediately think oh yeah on brand spike right you know because that is a hundred percent on brand for spike you know i mean she's not with him because she's deluding herself about what he is like she knows exactly what he is you know um and i would have loved it if she had asked him if it was him and he lied to her and she believed him which is the first step to trust because we just had that yeah i think it was in gone right yes. do you trust me never it wasn't gone it was dead things yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead things. um do you trust me 
Never. Right. And if she trusted him and then he betrayed that trust, you know, which doubles down on this is what he is, not just that he would do this stupid, dangerous, destructive thing, but that he would also lie to her about it. Yeah. The eggs are stupid. The lie is weak and cowardly and speaks more to character. And it would also be personal. The eggs aren't personal, but you make that shit personal. That's what should shine the light for her, that this isn't something that she can do. Yeah. Yeah. And if you wanted to do something with the eggs and make it feel a little bit more personal, Mm -hmm. because there is this. All right. This is maybe a stretch, but there is this weird through line of family and children that Mm -hmm. runs through this episode with, Mm -hmm. you know, Xander and Anya are planning their wedding. And one of the things that comes up is. Xander says, you know, then we'll have kids and they'll hate us and they'll sleep on our couch. And it's, you know, it's the circle of life. Right. This whole thing. (laughs) uh, The way that Riley describes the demon to Buffy is they're breeders. And there's this whole there's this, you know, they're quippy. Buffy and Riley's quippy little thing about, oh, how long have you been married? Four months. Mazel tov. Any children (laughs) like the idea mm-hmm. of marriage and children being this thing that go together in this like future life kind of way. And then, of course, we have Spike, who has these eggs in his mm-hmm. basement in this like this kind of, I mean, literally demonic, but also repellent breeding kind of way that further highlights the this will not get you where you want to go, Buffy, <laughs> like mm-hmm. nature of this relationship. You know, if we're, you know, we're we're mm-hmm. dealing, we're working within the hegemonic ideal of, you know, yes. relationship mm-hmm. leads to marriage, leads to offspring. Children. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, again, there's, it's a stretch, but something there about like a future with Spike being, you know, unsustainable and miserable because there are literal demon eggs i don't know mm-hmm. again i love it i love that you are willing to stretch well, to find something of value <laughs> because i want it to be there mm-hmm. you know right like, when they're doing because they're nice. clearly yeah. doing this thing in this episode mm-hmm. about marriage right like that's mm-hmm. the big it's not just that riley's back it's that riley is married yeah you know the mm-hmm. xander anya stuff is they're getting married and there's this friction about their wedding versus their marriage, which, mm-hmm. ouch, by the way, like, we're yeah, gonna, right. I mean, next week. But but <laughs> that's a big source of the friction and like who mm-hmm. their families are. And they have, you know, these there's friction between them about, you know, his family versus her people and what that's going to be. So the, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's this whole thing about there's this whole thing about marriage and family happening and then Buffy with Spike and no future Mm -hmm. because all of the reasons that we've discussed you know he's he's yeah and the idea that marriage and family that the lack of yeah the lack of the option to get married and have babies like how reductive that idea is yeah feels like it fits in with this episode like this idea that that's the value to which Buffy needs to aspire and great sex is not the value to which she needs to aspire which I think is actually an okay value um or like, so yeah you know, I don't know connection whatever yeah. <laughs> the fact that she talks to Spike more than she ever spoke to Riley she ever re- really talked to Riley um yeah I think that I don't know the whole thing is but I actually have this idea like it's 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 nascent okay it's a it's a theory right um of like what i'm going to call the riley effect i think that riley in every episode that he is in um incrementally makes it worse so like when it starts the beginning of season four like his presence in an episode will take it down like one two percent in quality um and then that you know over time just accumulates like plaque buildup until we finally get to as you were in which case he just is 95 percent worse because as soon as riley and his his terrible cardboard wife fly off in the helicopter, which I will never forgive this show for. That is like the most egregious fucking thing. Um, the episode actually starts to get a little bit better, 
you know, because then we get the Spike stuff and mm-hmm. Buffy kind of making her own realization and having her own self-determination. And that's actually a nice scene at the end of the episode. Um, but Riley's presence is just a damper, a quality dampener on this whole thing. Um, you know, this whole thing, nice wheels, came with the car. Like, Okay, first of all, that apparently is my my man voice, came with the car. Um, that, that he is... We're trying to make him cool. We give him a scar over his eye, and now suddenly he's cool. Um, Buffy, I meant to tell you when the time was right. Okay, like you were in the car for like 20 minutes, you know, and when she was jumping on you and you were rappelling down, like you could definitely be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm married. You know, I'm there's yeah, a super married ways to say that. <laughs> super duper married. Um, you know, and then there's this whole thing where. He's like, uh, she caught up to us a hell of a lot faster than I would have thought possible. Like complimenting his wife and also being like, I thought I had more time. I thought I could at least kiss you a couple of times before I told you I got married, uh, before she showed up. So it's like now Sam's fault for being super speedy and competent that she interrupted his ability to like tell Buffy the truth or whatever. Um, it's just, it's just bad. And then like to add insult to injury, right? In the time that it takes for them to drive back to Buffy's from wherever the hell they were, right? Right. Uh, Buffy has called everyone at home, filled them in on absolutely everything. (gasps) They know that Riley's married. They know who Sam is. Also filled Riley in on everything that's going on with all of them. Because when he comes in, he's like, hey, you guys are getting married. Congratulations. Like He knows the whole history of Xander and Anya. Um... Yeah, the episode is so annoying. Oh, and you didn't think to mention that your friend is in recovery and like maybe don't mention magic. Like, and maybe don't mention Buffy, magic. Yeah. Come on. No, I mean, I don't God. Know. God. Come on. Okay, but great dawn though, right? Oh my God. Okay, I love. Can dawn. we love up and dawn? Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I love, especially <laughs> after last time. I love how mm-hmm. tender she is with Buffy about I like. Know. It's so it's so sweet and it's like kind of heartbreaking. But there's this like acceptance of, yeah, I know you're working like don't work too hard. I'll see you when I see you kind of energy that's just very, very dear. And I just I just want to squeeze her. She's so sweet. (laughs) She is so sweet. She doesn't whine at all about Buffy working. She's so sweet about turning down the double meat. She just can't. She can't eat it again. She just can't. But she has been eating that well past the time where she was like, oh, God, I can't take yeah. another burger. Like, it, you know, it took a lot of double meat for her to get to the point where she's like, I'm so sorry. I just can't have this again. Um, I love that. I love the, when she's talking to Willow and she's being so supportive and she's like, oh, there's a date opportunity at the wedding uh-huh. and all this kind of stuff. And it's so sweet. You know, um, I love everything that is Dawn. Also, not to mention the fact that while Willow is shooting misogyny daggers at Sam, yeah. uh, Dawn is putting the hate where it belongs like on riley yep you know she is having none of his bullshit and i love it mm-hmm. i love i love dawn being salty with riley i love it i do she's <laughs> like she is not fooled like you don't show up with a scar mm-hmm. and a wife and everything is fine my friend like that sucked when you left last time and then when she acknowledges it yeah. again she's like yeah yeah like this is terrible she's great mm-hmm. she is great yeah. and i just i feel for her and i also love that she's just kind of letting the xander and anya snippiness like roll mm-hmm. off of her you know she's so sweet to them at the bronze and they're all stressed out and she's like okay i'll be over here then <laughs> like just <laughs> Not my business. Dawn is great. Dawn is awesome. Uh, But that gives us a nice, like, you know, shift over into the Xander and Anya. I guess you could call it a B story uh, thing going on where they're just eating chips and getting stressed about, you know, family. I think when when they're in the bathroom and you can hear everybody yelling and also they have a weirdly lit bathroom. It seems like the actual bathtub itself glows blue and is like shooting light up from the bathtub, which is interesting. That's a choice. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I I don't care for the Xander and Anya stuff in this episode. I find it all weird. Uh, but there is this moment, though, where Anya says the gnarls are coming in yes. in 20 minutes. And if nobody meets them and then like the demon from same time, same place, the beginning of season seven, the one that that e- e- eats part of Willow's 
stomach skin. It's so gross. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. His Chill. name is Narl, yeah. and Anya knows what he is. So um, I find that kind of interesting. I think that maybe he came in for the wedding and then just decided to stay. I get, I who knows? Yeah, that might be. Or it. they liked that, that name it. and went with it. It's... Also, that is definitely an option. You know. Definitely an option. Because when you have a bunch of um, demons, you got to name them all. But yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's crazy. Um. So anyway, like I I don't I also really don't like the chips. Oh, I uh, do. Scenes. <laughs> Here's why though. Like if you've ever heard a story from actors about what happens when they have to eat something mm. in a scene, like you know you see the way that Emma Caulfield is nibbling on that chip like it is you know like like a little squirrel like nibbling on something it's really super cute it's the kind of thing that would ordinarily annoy me because you know women aren't allowed to eat although skinny women are allowed to eat like a ton as long as they don't gain a pound right it's that whole thing so the way that women are made to eat in media is is an incredibly frustrating subject for me but like the thing is is that when you are eating this stuff in a scene all day long and you have to match the way that you were eating it before mm-hmm. like if you're wolfing something down in one of these scenes like you're eating that all day long i listened to a podcast called the office ladies um with jenna fisher and um Angela Kinsey. Nice. Angela Kinsey from, yes, I'm, I'm like, what's her name? Angela Kinsey uh, from The Office. And they were talking about how like in an early episode, they had to eat this like mint chocolate chip ice cream like all day. And because it was early in the run and they hadn't learned this lesson yet, they were like wolfing it down. So they had to match that and everything. And to this day, neither one of them can eat that. And like everybody's spitting into a bucket mm-hmm. because they can't eat all of it because it's gross um so like the knowing what happens to actors when they have to eat like whenever i see a scene that is about like munching and wolfing things down rather than just like a casual dinner in the background it always makes me think of the spit bucket it always grosses me out and i just like every time i watch it i'm just like honey Um, so we have this ending. You mentioned it before, where Xander differentiates between the wedding and their marriage. Mm-hmm. And he's all confident and he's all sweet and he comforts Anya. There's all of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but in a week, we're going to have his issues with family and marriage and the future and all of that kind of stuff absolutely destroy their future together. Mm-hmm. So, like, his being all confident and comforting in this episode with absolutely no foreshadowing for what's coming up in Hell's Bells feels off to me. Yeah, it feels super off. It feels super Mm -hmm. off. I feel like we missed an episode between As You Were and Hell's Bells for in terms of Xander's emotional arc ish, whatever, whatever. It's not really an arc. It's like a it's like a sharp turn. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, and there's a whole, there's a whole, you know, rich inner life for Xander that could be existing where he's saying these things because he wants them to be true. Right. He's, Mm -hmm. we saw him last week, like comforting Anya in this way that I was like, this is, this shouldn't raise red flags for me, but it does. Like, why is he being so nice to her all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is a there is a narrative in which Xander is having this internal struggle of, I really want this to be the case. I'm projecting outward confidence that our marriage is going to mm-hmm. be great, but I have these deep-seated fears about myself and my ability to be a caring partner to this mm-hmm. person. But it's not set up at all. It's not there at all. It's presented as this like lovely little, this this comforting, lovely little moment of connection between them with their, you know, respective families destroying their apartment outside. Yeah. And it doesn't work, really. Mm. I mean, it works. Yeah. Like it would be great if we went on to have a, a you know, a fantastic wedding or, you know, a hellmouth wedding where hilarity ensues, but it wasn't, the conflict wasn't Xander sees, you know, something that he is afraid of happening in their future together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's all weird. Although I do like the line, you know, your your friends are demons and my family are monsters. Yes. Um, I, you know, I actually really liked that. I like that a lot. I like, and I like Xander trying to establish this as 
we are a team here because they have been, mm-hmm. you know, at odds with each other over the wedding planning. And then their families show up and suddenly it's, oh, yeah, this is about us as a team. This is, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's complicated. <laughs> it would have been nice if they had actually gotten married and, and been happy together. Um, but yeah, it's just it's so it's so weird to have this come right before Hell's Bells. But I'm sorry, I got so grossed out over the food eating that I, I think I stomped all over what you liked about oh, I just that. Like what you liked it. about the chips. I yeah. like I like the chips. I like the mostly what I like is the transition from Xander, they're at the bronze and Xander is stress eating and completely defending his right to stress eat. Mm-hmm. And then we see them. Then the next time we see them is in the car together and they're both eating chips and they have both like taken this on as this is how we're coping. And it becomes a shared coping in that, you know, previously Xander is very um, territorial about his chips and... <laughs> Then when we see them, you know, the next time we see them, they're sharing chips. And, you know, he's like, cool ranch. And he's like, Cajun Fiesta. And they're just, I don't know. <laughs> There's something about it that I love so very much. I think it's like it's we're team us and we're team chips. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't I like it. I, I, I'm glad that you like, I like it. it. I think that that's it great. Also, smile. like the final scene in the bathroom feels like if you if you if you extrapolate the I'm eating chips, we're eating chips, we're in the bathroom together after having just vomited up all the chips. Oh, like- <laughs> if they were sick together, that would be kind of sweet. Not in it a, is kind of you know. Sweet. I don't want any gross out humor there, but yes. like mm-hmm. the just the indication that like maybe they're taking each other, you know, taking care of each other with like some antacids or something. <laughs> Exactly. That there's some kind of, yeah, because the fact that they're both in the bathroom hiding out. And this is, of course, not Anya's first rodeo hiding out in a bathroom. We had her doing that in, I believe it was the Yoko Factor when everybody's fighting in season four and she and Tara just in the bathroom admiring Giles' tiles. Um, You know, so so Anya hiding out in the bathroom is definitely a thing. Um, But yeah, like, I, you know, I don't know. I have such a difficult time with Xander and Anya because there are a lot of things like I've freaking love Anya. I adore Anya. And there are a lot of things that I like about Xander um, when he's not with Anya. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, but the way that he treats her, the way that he talks to her. And then we have this one nice moment, which, of course, if you have any knowledge of what's coming up, which we do fully spoiled Buffy podcast, um, is that, you know, that he's going to going to leave her at the suggestion that her, that their future might be this thing. I you know. know? It's yeah. such a bummer. Yeah. It's such a bummer. Yeah. Um, it is. It's it's really it's really weird. Well, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to Hell's Bells next week. But yeah, now we have Spike. You gotta talk about right? your favorite part. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I know. I feel bad. I'm just you know because I know people. I, I know people listening must be like, oh, here goes Lonnie talking about Spike again. But Spike is the good stuff. All right. So Spike selling dangerous demon eggs on the black market as the doctor is so fucking stupid and I hate it and yet really kind of on brand yeah right it's so stupid it is so stupid that it fits with Spike (laughs) at least for me like that is absolutely the kind of thing the kind of scheme he would come up with yeah yeah it is you know um and you know like I said also brings us back to that reference in Double Meat Palace I can get money you know Mm -hmm. so we know that he's doing stuff to get money and clearly you know that crypt is not decorating itself you know he's (laughs) got to pay for all that stuff um but the thing that I really find super interesting is just this one quiet little moment you know in this at the end when Buffy's breaking up with him and she says, you know, I'm using you and I'm hurting you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 that's okay. No, no, but I like it. No, no, it's okay. Yeah. Right. But when she says, and it's killing me, that's when he stops. Yeah. That's when he stops pushing. That's when he accepts it because he loves her. And God damn it. That is so freaking complex. That performance is so complex. And it always brings to mind for me this line from uh, the novel Wild Ride written by Jennifer Cruzy and Bob Mayer. Um, And the line is this. He loved her all he could 
but he couldn't love her very much. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the thing about that, that, that always makes me think about this is I would like tweak it just a little bit. Cause I think Spike does love Buffy very much. And I think if you tweak this quote to, he loved her all he could, but he couldn't love her very well. Yeah. I think it speaks to something of the experience of being genuinely loved by a genuinely bad and broken human. You yeah. Know? And if Spike had lied to her, if that had been what had woken her up, not fucking Riley and his stupid little perfect life in his helicopter or whatever, but her realizing that Spike can never be what she would need in order to be able to love him, that he loves her all he can, but he can't love her very well. And she knows that she could never love him because she could never trust him. Mm-hmm. You know, and in order for all of this to matter, though, we have to mix in a realization that she specifically needs to love the person she's with. Because not everyone does, and that is okay. Casual sex is perfectly fine. Um, But if she had had a realization that that's something that she needs, and in that moment when she says, tell me you love me, tell me you want me, like, maybe that'll be enough. And realizing that it's not because she needs to love him back and because, and if they had written this properly, because he lied to her Mm -hmm. and she can't trust him. Yeah. 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 There's, yeah. And there's something really crunchy there, too, if you wanted to explore mm-hmm. that line of, you know, character, which is, you know, he he loves her and she mm-hmm. knows it and she believes him. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. that's your first hurdle. Right. Is yeah. the first hurdle is, well, I don't believe he's really capable of loving me. OK, mm-hmm. so then she clears that hurdle and she gets yeah. to the place where she believes that he really loves yeah. her and it's still not working. You know, like it's still not working or she, you know, she doesn't love him. Like maybe she believes that she can't love him because she doesn't believe that he really loves her. But then she integrates that and she's like, oh, shit, Mm -hmm. I don't I still don't love him Um, because he can't trust him. Yep. And then you that's know? the next like crunchy layer that you get to add in there, right? Of like, yeah, you know, I believe he loves me, but I don't trust him. And but I can't, right? I need and if, to and if be in with this someone moment. I can trust, which exactly. also nicely kind of retcons a bunch of Buffy's other relationships mm-hmm. or attempts at relationships, right? If it if it yeah. boils down not to does this person love me, but do I trust this person? Yeah. That's an interesting line. That is interesting. Emotional inquiry. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it would have been Nobody so much it. better <laughs> if it was less about. I don't even see again. We're back to I don't even know what they're doing. Right. Because mm-hmm. Riley's big refrain is you're the first woman I ever loved. And that's mm-hmm. supposed to hit something. Right? right. Because we've already had Buffy say to Spike, tell me you love me. And he's like, you know, I love you. Mm-hmm. What 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 is going on here? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's yeah. I the, want it they, to be better. I want it to be better than it is because there's potential there. There is potential there. I think that yeah. So I don't know. The whole thing is, and it is frustrating because it's so close. Yeah. You know, like it could have been like a, another revision on this, another revision to lay that track of I don't love him. Maybe I could love him. Okay, I can't love him. Maybe I can trust him. That I know he's going to do stupid stuff, but I also know he will tell me the truth if I ask yeah. him something directly. like Or something like that. And then finally, when he does that, she knows that she can't have this relationship, even though she wants it, even though it's okay to want hot sex with a sexy vampire, which is okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and to like, uh, to have her reject the shame of it. But here it seems like she's embracing the shame as though that is the absolute correct interpretation of what's going on here. And I don't think that that works. I really would have loved to have seen them do something more nuanced and interesting with that, but they didn't, you know, so whatever. Um, But one of the other things that I really love in this is that there's um, two times in the entire run of the series that Buffy calls Spike William, which is his, his, you know, birth name. Um, The first was in no place like home when she finds him lurking on her lawn. This is the famous out for a walk bitch scene. Um, And then here when they break up and to me, it kind of feels like bookends. Like the first time she's mocking him and calling him by his human name. And I had the thought is that dead naming? For a vampire. Oh, that's a really interesting read. 
Especially, you know, I hadn't thought yeah, about it in that context. That's a really interesting read. But I mean, if it is, it's even colder. But it's 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 like if she's dead naming him then, right? You know, and kind of mocking him. Like this yeah. time, it feels like she's okay to try to find a bookend like comparativeness in this and this isn't real like life naming him you know yeah. like seeing the the human inside yep. maybe trying to access the human inside um and i find it interesting she never once called angel liam yeah. you know there's an affection in calling him william this time there is something that she's it does feel like because because in no place like home, that's right after we find out that he's in love with her, but she still doesn't know, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so calling him William, then she's mocking him, and here she is connecting with him. She's showing him that she sees him as a person. Yeah, it named is it's William. A human. Mm -hmm. She's like humanizing him or like rehumanizing mm -hmm. him. It's yeah. interesting. It's a really yeah. interesting moment. I I don't know it how is. I feel about it. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. But it's interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I like it. I like it. I think that's neat. And then when she walks out into the sunlight, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, all right. So, Noelle, I have been waiting after reading your notes for this whole episode to ask you this question. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> well... I have not one, but three notes in my notes about <laughs> Buffy's yellow coat. And they all I have multiple so exclamation points on them because that yellow coat, y'all. I, I know. love that coat. I love it so much. I love that coat. So I cannot look at prominent yellow in the frame without thinking about mm -hmm. Jaws, which was uh -huh. my first exposure to the idea that color could be used as a visual leitmotif in film and television. So mm -hmm. in Jaws, yellow shows up to indicate caution in the caution sign sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm tempted to read it that way here, but I don't think that's quite it. Mm -hmm. So it seems interesting and noteworthy to me that at the end, when Buffy goes to talk to Spike or William, Mm -hmm. about ending things between them, she's wearing purple, which is the opposite of yellow on the color wheel. And then yeah. she ends the scene and the episode by walking out into the sunlight, as you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that final scene with her in purple walking into the sunlight tempts me to reverse engineer the meaning of the yellow coat as being a kind of false sunshine. Mm -hmm. Buffy is wrapping herself in this blanket of false positivity with a cheerful, sunny, everything's fine color. You know, mm -hmm. yellow is often associated with happiness, clarity and sunshine. But yellow is also associated with fear and cowardice, especially in the archaic insult. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea of Buffy's yellow coat as a symbol of false, affected cheerfulness, literally something she puts on that also represents fear, especially in that moment where we see her sleeping under the coat like a blanket. It's uh, that is such a brilliant read. I mean, I love that. And like I say, I don't know, you know, I don't know mm -hmm. if it's that, but that coat not only not only is it visually striking, but it does end up being a tiny not plot point, mm -hmm. character point mm -hmm. of it gets a, it gets grass stained because Spike has like yeah. sullied it for her <laughs> and then she has to wash it. There's oh, a my whole, God. You know, it's I love it. And sunlight being a thing that is naturally aversive to a vampire, like she's almost reaching for some kind of protection from that relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That is, I mean, you've done a lot of genius reads throughout the run of Still Pretty, and I know you ain't done yet, but that was amazing. That's one of my favorite things you've ever come up with. I love that read well, and I also so just much. I freaking love that coat. I mean, come on. That coat is amazing. I love that coat. I love that coat, but that is a brilliant freaking read. Um, all right. So what's your favorite part? <laughs> You're going to hate this. It's Onion Xander <laughs> in the car with the hell radio and the stress eating. I love I love the line that precedes all of that, too, of like, mm -hmm. the you know, we're I think we died in this car. What is it? I think we died in this car. and Now we're in hell. 
And Xander says the radio said there wouldn't be any traffic. And Anya just totally matter of fact says, well, of course it would. It's a hell radio. <laughs> it's a hell radio. <laughs> I love I love the shared yeah. hell radio and the stress mm-hmm. eating. I love I and I love them. You know, after the previous interaction over the chips, I love them yeah. sharing chips. The communion of stressed chips is the holiest of communions. <laughs> it is a it. holy communion. And it always reminds me of that time when you and I were hanging out and sharing like an entire bag of Doritos yes. between the two of us. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we did so well. I'm that so was, proud of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were we were close before that, but ever since that is the yeah. absolutely tightened up our relationship. Um, you know, I I gotta say, for my favorite part, it's either it's I love that moment when Spike says, you know what I am. You've always known. Yeah, um, because it's it's right and it's true. And I love the way that Marsters reads that with that heartbreak and the break in his voice. I mean, it's just it's so good. But honestly, I think it's it's when I think my favorite part is when she says and it's killing me and he stops. And only when he thinks that it's realizes that it's hurting her, is he willing to let her go. Yeah. Um, And there's something about that that I absolutely love. Of course, it's a Buffy and Spike thing. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's me. It's my favorite part. (laughs) If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, connect with the show on Twitter. Follow at Chipperish and use the hashtag Still pretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our January producers. Shelly, Kristen, Jonathan, Jonathan, Rose, Erica, Alice, Abigail, and Sarah. And this week's special message for our power producers. Were you always this tall? To find out how you too can support Chipperish media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support? Write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or do not take my chips. (laughs) We'll be back next time with Hell's Bells, the 16th episode of season six. Until then, you know what? Let's call it a night. If it's all the same to you and you've been eating that stuff, I'm not sure I want to bite you.